Welcome to the Entrepreneur to Employer podcast. I'm your host, Brian Montez, founder of Scalosity Works and the Entrepreneur to Employer coaching and membership community. So congratulations is in order. If you've built a successful freelance business that has grown to the point where you need to hire, you have achieved a huge milestone. If you're already past the point of making your first hire and your team is now growing, well, congratulations is in order to you as well. So regardless of where you are with scaling your team and your business, whether you're at employee number one or employee number 100, this podcast focuses on everything related to people operations. We'll cover best practices, strategies, and solutions to help you build a sustainable and scalable business that is fueled by great people and a great culture. So if you're enjoying listening to this Entrepreneur to Employer podcast, please subscribe, give us a like, and give us a review. Your feedback will help us grow this podcast, and we'll be able to positively impact more employers to help them build better work environments. Welcome back to another episode of the Entrepreneur to Employer podcast. I am your host, Brian Montez, founder of Scalosity Works and the Entrepreneur to Employer coaching and membership community. Look, I know your time is valuable, and I really do appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast. Now, every time you tune in to the Entrepreneur to Employer podcast, you can expect to learn actionable insights to help you build a business that is worthy of a best places to work award and reduce your business risk with proactive HR strategies that have real world applications. So as you go through the Entrepreneur to Employer journey with us, I will focus on sharpening your skills on how to recruit, hire, and onboard the best people for your company, how to design training systems that work, how to establish proactive HR systems that are going to lower your business risk how to improve employee performance, how to lead your team through good times and bad, and how to tie your people operations into your financial milestones. So if you're ready to build a best places to work business, let's get you started. So today we're going to talk about personas. Now, if you're familiar with personas, chances are you're familiar with them from a marketing standpoint. Marketing people have been using and creating buyer personas for years. That buyer persona gives them an idea of who we are, what our interests are, and it helps them basically market to us better, right? Better ads, cleaner copy, messaging that will resonate with us. Well, here's the good news. You can do the same thing when it comes to hiring. Creating a candidate persona will help you improve not only the hiring process itself, but the strategy that goes into your hiring process, and it will help you increase your chances of having a better hire out the gate. Today, I'm going to give you a step-by-step guide on creating your own candidate persona. Now, I love this quote from Albert Einstein. He said, if I had an hour to solve a problem, I'd spend 55 minutes thinking about the problem and five minutes thinking about the solutions. The takeaway from that quote is this, is that oftentimes we jump right into a solution when we see a problem. Instead of taking a step back and saying, okay, let me do some research. Let me really think about the problem at hand, make sure I understand the problem, first of all. And am I bringing the right solutions to this problem and putting the strategic work into solving the problem that way? And so how does that translate to recruiting and hiring? Well, oftentimes we decide we need to hire. We feel like we're under fire to do it quickly. So we throw together a job description, we throw it out there on Indeed, and we start getting a pool of candidates in and nobody meets our qualifications or or we don't like the candidates that are coming in and we get frustrated and we start saying that there's no good candidates out there, I can't find anybody. Well, in order to change that story, we have to spend more time on the strategy side of building our recruitment process. And building a candidate persona is going to help with that. So there are three outcomes that you will get 
from creating a candidate persona. Number one, it's going to help you get a deeper understanding of the requirements of that role because you're going to talk to your stakeholders when you get ready to do this. Meaning that you're not going to create your job descriptions and your recruitment in a vacuum, right? If you have a business partner, you're going to talk to them and you're going to strategize on a list of questions and facts that you need to gather. If you have a few employees, you can talk to them. If you're a solopreneur, who do you talk to? Well, you still have resources, right? Do you have a business coach you can talk to? Do you have a mentor? Do you have a business colleague that also has built their own business that you can meet with and run these questions by them and get their insight? There's always somebody for you to talk to, but you're going to want to talk to stakeholders so that you're not building this in a vacuum. The second thing that this is going to help you do when you create a candidate persona is it's going to help you devise your sourcing strategy to help you source the right candidates, right? Because now you go into the recruitment process with a clear picture of what your candidate looks like and who they are. So that's going to dictate your sourcing strategy. Third, it's going to help you improve your recruitment collateral. I mean, what is recruitment collateral? It's marketing material. Recruiting for our company is a marketing move. So when we have a candidate persona and we know who we're looking for and we know who we need to speak to and we know what resonates with them, we now can create a much better message that will hopefully get through to them because we know who they are. We understand them. All right, let's get into your step-by-step guide. So step one is gathering information. It's going back to Albert Einstein's quote of spending that 55 minutes thinking about the problem before we execute solutions. So you're going to gather information and you're going to start with your stakeholders. This is where you have conversations and you gain insight. Okay. So whether it's your business partner whether it's a few employees that are going to have to work with that new hire or whether it's your coach, your business mentor, or just a colleague running a business that's willing to have lunch with you and go through all of this. Make sure that you have conversations with other people to get insight. Let's go through the information you want to gather in order to create your persona. First, where are my candidates' current places of employment? Where are they working today? We got to understand that. Are they working down the street? Are they working for company XYZ? Identify the names of the companies where your candidates may be currently working. Unless, of course, this is a entry-level position straight out of college, then of course you won't have that. But if it's not an entry-level position, then figure out where might my candidates be working? Where are their current places of employment? Second, job title. What job titles should we have for this role? Please don't be clever and cute with these job titles. Choose a title that someone's going to be proud of to put on their LinkedIn profile. It's as simple as that. Third, similar target designations. What do I mean by that? Well, companies do choose their own job titles. And so somebody may be working for a company, have a job title that is different from the job title you are thinking about creating, but the list of duties is the same as what you need. So the job title doesn't match up, but the duties do. So you need to understand that correlation. I'll give you a great example. I was talking to a CEO of a software company. He's getting ready to hire. And he told me he was looking for a business development executive. I said, great. Tell me the duties you expect. And as the CEO went through the duties, I realized it's not a business development representative that he wants. He needs a sales hunter. He's going to want somebody who picks up the phone and cold calls. He's going to want somebody who can email cold, right? Just email people he's never spoken to before. He wants somebody who will jump on LinkedIn and DM people cold, right? He wants a hunter. He wants somebody who's not afraid to get rejected, not afraid to hear no, and is willing to 
turn over every rock looking for opportunity. He's calling it a business development role. Now, business development and sales do overlap, but also sales and business development are two different roles for the most part. So he's calling it a business development role, but really what he's looking for is a salesperson. So it's good to understand when companies use different job titles, but have the same expectation of duties. Next, figure out what your target demographic is, right? What is the experience of the person you're looking for? What is their location, right? If you are located in Southern California and you expect this person to be in the office five days a week, well, probably can't live in Oregon, right? So you need to be very specific about the location if you're not remote. Now, I am going to recommend this. Leave out age. Old school demographic mapping had us putting in the age of our ideal candidate. I am really going to strongly encourage you to leave that out. Why? Well, one, it automatically sets you up for some discriminatory issues. And as hiring managers, as entrepreneurs, as leaders, we need to do our best to hire without bias and to hire without discrimination. You know, if we put age in, we automatically classify a group out. So if you say my ideal candidate is age 25 to 35, that means that somebody who's 40 can't do the job. I mean, what if they have all the skills you need, the experience, the wisdom, the drive? Would you not even talk to them just because of age? So I really encourage you to leave age out of your demographic build. All right, next, skills. Break out hard skills and soft skills. If you've been listening to my podcast, you know that I talk about hard skills and soft skills and being very clear on both of them and mapping both of them out. So do the same thing here with your candidate persona. What hard skills do they have? What soft skills do they have? Educational qualifications is the next one. Do they need a bachelor's degree to do the job I'm going to hire them for? Is a two-year degree fine? Do they even need a college degree? You know, it's interesting. We're in a time where college education or degrees is less important than it was before. Google's a great example. Google has been willing to hire without a four-year formal degree. And I will tell you this, after hiring hundreds of people in my career, I would much rather have somebody with life experience, skills, grit, determination, resilience over somebody with an Ivy League degree. I can do much more with that person than I can with somebody with an Ivy League degree that doesn't want to put the work and energy into something. Under your educational qualifications, look at certifications and professional designations as well. Are any of those necessary to do well in the role? I know that next time I hire a human resource business professional onto my team, I am going to start requiring certifications. I want that person to have a SHRM certification, a Society of Human Resource Management. As we grow, that's becoming more and more important that we make sure our team has professional designations behind their professional work. Next, try and figure out the projected career path of your ideal candidates. Where are they at today? Where do they want to go? What's their passion? Where are they going? So important to understand that. All right, step two. There's five components to step two. So first, interview team members. If you have employees already, you can do this with your own employees. If you don't have employees, how do you do it? Again, business mentor, business coach, a colleague who's built a business and has a few employees. See if you can talk to their employees just to get a feel. It's a good exercise, right? Because the traits of your high-performing team members are going to be a good indicator of a candidate's persona. So studying team members effectively is going to help you understand what the ideal candidate should have to succeed in the role. And you typically only need to interview two to three team members to get these traits. There's no fixed number, so stop when you feel you have the answers to your questions. 
So what do you want to ask? Well, understanding motivation. Now, at the end of the day, motivation in life only takes us so far. Discipline is actually more important than motivation because as human beings, and I know I'm speaking for myself personally, I'm not motivated every single day. Motivation comes and goes. We have our days where we're full of energy and we're, we're flying high and we're doing our best and we have days where we're down and our energy level is down, something's going on and we're just not firing off cylinders. That is called being human. As a business owner, I know that's how I am. So why would I expect my employees to be 100% motivated every single day? I don't, but what I do expect is discipline. We have to be disciplined to get in and do the work even when we're not quite feeling up to it or we're not quite feeling that high level of energy. Discipline, in my mind, is more important than motivation. So talking to your employees and finding out what makes them disciplined because that's why they're succeeding with you is because they're disciplined. That helps drive their motivation. And understand, why did they apply to work for your company in the first place? What keeps them going? And again, if you don't have employees and you're getting ready to hire employee number one, no problem. You can ask these same questions to a, a, a colleague's company, especially if he or she has built a great workforce. Goals is the next question you want to find out. Ask them about their career goals and their personal goals. Where do they want to be after a certain amount of years? What do they want to achieve in their life? Are there any specific personal goals like saving for tuition, getting married, right? What are the important milestones in their life that they may be working towards? Understanding the personal and professional will help you create that buyer persona. Interests. What do they like to do in their free time? You know, where do they like to spend their time on the internet? Where do they spend their time when they're outside? What do they like to do? You know, for me personally, if you ask me, it's going to be mountain biking, walking with the dogs, kayaking and paddleboarding, right? Those are the things I like to do, playing golf. Those are the things I like to do when I'm not working. So understanding their interests is important. Skills and culture. What skills have helped them succeed in the job? What do they like about the company culture? Ask them these questions and understand their perspective on it because that's going to help you understand what that candidate persona needs to look like and what's going to make, make it work for them. All right, going on to step three. Step three is going to be testing the persona. Now, just because we built the persona doesn't mean that it's accurate or right. We have to test the data. And so in order to do that, we're going to have to take further steps by interviewing stakeholders and team members that have helped you create your hypothesis on the candidate's persona. Because I got news for you, an untested hypothesis can cause disasters, right? So cross-check your hypothesis with a pool of candidates as you start to hire. Ask the questions to your candidates to find out if your hypothesis is correct. Why did they apply to your company? What do they feel will be different here from their previous job? What do they like about the hiring process? What do they like doing when they're not working? Where do they spend their time online? So understand your candidate pool is going to help you map your company's internal persona into the real world. And you can only do this once you start interviewing candidates. You've got to remember, it's an iterative process, right? It's a fluid process. It's going to develop over time. So your first candidate persona chances are it's going to be messy. There's a possibility it's going to be highly inaccurate. But you have to start somewhere. Allow it to be messy, allow it to be inaccurate, and improve it over time. Because one, two, three, four, five years into your business, you're going to have it refined, 
You're going to have it firing on all cylinders. You're going to have it 90% accurate. And you're going to see the results from that. So this is not a one and done deal by any stretch of the, of the imagination. Next and your final step. Once you've gotten all your information, you start to create your story. Storyfy your candidate. So there's two sections you can break this down into. Section one, who is your candidate? What is the designation or job title they are after? What is the company or companies they're currently working with? What experience do they have that I want? What is their educational background? What are their life experiences? What hard skills do they have? What soft skills do they have? What type of compensation plan are they looking for? What are their interests at work and out of work? Where do they spend time online when they're on the internet? What websites do they like to be on? Is it men's health? Is it cycling? Right? Find out what those interests are and build that into your candidate persona, your candidate story. Understand what are their preferred communication channels. My ideal candidate likes to be communicated to via text, right? You have to put that down into your candidate persona. What are the communication channels they want? What are their personal priorities? What are their professional priorities? And what are some of their noteworthy behaviors? What are some of the things that drive them day in and day out and the behaviors that they do that make them succeed in life? So that is the overarching picture of what your candidate looks like, right? And that's now you're creating the story. Section two of your candidate persona is what defines your candidate. And the three questions you want to answer and document on your candidate persona is, what is a great culture for this candidate? What type of culture is the candidate looking for? The next question that you need to answer on the persona is what drives this candidate, right? What creates their discipline? What creates their motivation? And what is their passion? Last but not least, what are their workplace objections? Now, what is that workplace objections? What does that mean? Well, workplace objections is what things at work do they not like? Or what things at work get them frustrated? Like micromanagement. My candidate does not like being micromanaged. That is a workplace objection. Or decision-making takes way too long. Your candidate may sour when it takes weeks upon weeks for a leader to make a decision. And that is a workplace objection to them. And that will cause a problem with them being at work, right? Impersonal communication is another great example of a workplace objection. So understand what are the things that will frustrate your candidate and potentially make them not want to work for you. So that is how you create a candidate persona. So let's do a recap of the framework. So step one, you're going to gather information by interviewing stakeholders. Step two, you're going to interview team members and you're going to understand their motivation, their discipline, their drivers, their personal goals, their professional goals, and their interests. Because that's going to give you some insight on what your candidate persona needs to look like. Three, you're going to want to try and test your persona. You've got to test the hypothesis. And you may be able to do this a little bit before you actually start interviewing by running it by existing employees or talking to another company's employees and bouncing it off of them. If you can't do it then, then you will absolutely want to start doing it once you start interviewing. Once you start interviewing, you can ask and test the persona with your candidates to see if your hypothesis is correct, somewhat correct, or way off the mark. 
And then last but not least, you're going to want to create your actual candidate persona. Two sections. Who is your candidate? What defines your candidate? Right? And under who is your candidate, we have the list of things, designation, company, experience, education, life experiences, hard skills, soft skills, compensation, their interest, where do they spend time, preferred communication channels, their personal priorities, their professional priorities, and their noteworthy behaviors. In your next section, what defines your candidate, right? What's a great culture for them? What drives the candidate? What is their passion? And what are their workplace objections? Once you've done this, you have now created a candidate persona. You now have a picture of what your ideal candidate looks like. And it's a holistic picture, not just a picture of their professional goals, but it's a holistic picture of them as a person. You have to remember, you're hiring a person. You're not just hiring an employee. You're hiring a person, and you have to understand the whole person. This is going to help you achieve that. So creating a persona not only helps you bring the entire team together, but it's also going to help you figure out the sources that are going to work best to fill this position. It's going to help you save time that is otherwise wasted on sourcing and recruitment of the wrong candidates. So I truly hope you got something out of today. Feel free to reach out to me if you have questions on creating a candidate persona. I'll be happy to answer that. Again, you've been listening to the Entrepreneur to Employer podcast. You know, thank you for being part of this journey. And please make sure you subscribe so that we can continue building a thriving community and help you hire the best team possible. So if you would be so kind as to leave a review, leave us some feedback. I would love to hear your thoughts. And if you know somebody that can use this podcast, do them a favor, send them a link to the show and say, hey, I learned something on the show. I think you could use it. My goal is to reach as many businesses as possible and help them create better places to work. All right, have a great week and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Entrepreneur to Employer podcast today. We have a free resource for you. Download our free workbook with the 18 questions that a transitioning entrepreneur to employer needs to ask and answer before making that first hire. The link to your free resource is in the show notes. And last but not least, subscribe to this podcast and give us a review. The more we grow this entrepreneur to employer community, the more we can make sure that Mondays, or any day of the week for that matter, don't suck.